Welcome to the Fantastic Magic Center. I'm Kent Cummins, and I'm going to share the real secrets of magic. How's everybody doing? That, in my opinion, is one of the worst introductions or openings that any entertainer can ever use. And yet you hear it all the time. I used to hear it in comedy clubs constantly. It was like the first thing the comic would do is say, hey, how's everybody doing? And he'd move the stool around and maybe put a drink somewhere. Back in the early days, a cigarette. But if he's a comedian, he should say something entertaining and funny. As I record this just a week or two ago, my wife and daughter and I went to hear Linda Gale Lewis, that's Jerry Lee Lewis's baby sister, who is still pounding the piano and singing songs as a tribute to her older brother. And the band that played with her was excellent. They had a, an hour-long set before uh, she came on. And as the guitar players came out and fiddled with their guitars and put them around their neck, one of them said very clearly into the microphone, so how's everybody doing? And I've talked about this before. I just don't think that's a terribly good opening. So let's start all over. This is episode number 53 of Tales from the Fantastic Magic Center. Wow, that means we're starting a new year, the second year of the Fantastic Magic Center podcast. That's amazing. And I hope you've been listening to the stories and feel that they're amazing. This week, I wanted to talk about beginnings, because, as I said, this begins a second year for Tales from the Fantastic Magic Center. Episode 53 is also an interesting number, because I did 53 shows last year, last year being 2022, and now I did 53, or I'm doing 53 episodes of the podcast. It's like a deck of cards with one joker. So how did my life as a magician begin? Well, that story, called The Origin Story, is in one of the early, early podcasts, and they're still available on the website. Just go to fantasticmagiccenter.com and scroll down and click on See More and Keep scrolling down until you get to what the early ones. It'll tell you what each of the weekly podcast subjects was. And Chris Walden, my editor and director, has selected a piece of artwork for each one. And it's fun just going back through and looking at over 50 titles and pieces of artwork. And if you've never heard the first episode, well... You can hear what it is that I was planning to do and how I felt about it by going back to the beginning, episode number one. One reason that beginnings are so important is that we can't get to the endings or even the journey without beginning. They say a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You have to take that first bite. And almost anything that you want to do, you have to start. People who have writer's block, who have trouble getting a story started, are advised, just start typing. 
Just start. Beginnings matter. So how should a magic show begin? Different performers have different styles and therefore different ideas and different kinds of magic show beginnings work really well for different magicians. I can remember one time when Doug Henning was at the height of his fame and he had another one of his television specials and of course what you expect is flash, boom, colorful. And how did he start? By holding a nickel. And the camera did an extreme close-up and he closed his hand around that nickel, opened his hand, showed it both sides. The nickel was gone. Magicians know this effect as The Vanishing Nickel by John Cornelius, an amazingly inventive San Antonio magician who sadly is no longer with us. But he opened a gigantic hour-long illusion show with a nickel. And it worked. I've always believed that a magic show should start with a bang, start with something magical, start with something that's interesting. But not all magicians believe that. David Ginn, a friend from Atlanta, Georgia, is one of the best-known kids' magicians, children's magicians in the industry. I can't even begin to imagine how many kids' shows he's done. And he's published books on marketing and books with all kinds of tricks and books on clowning. He is one of the go-to people when it comes to children's magic. And in fact, he was the consultant for the Mr. See It program that we did for Texas State Optical. And if you don't know about that program, haha, go back to an early podcast episode about Mr. See It, the magician with a vision. David is a big fan of warming up the audience first. He comes out and does a small trick that gets the audience involved before he goes into the real show. And he makes that work. I remember seeing Sigvard and Roy at the Mirage with their mammoth, amazing show. They didn't do warm-up, but they had costume characters in the audience doing warm-up. And so there are ways to warm up the audience. Sometimes it's just pre-show music. Or there's ways to just start with a bang. One of my favorite magic show openings was at Magic Live in Las Vegas, the wonderful magic convention put on by Stan Allen. And I know that uh, it was sold out. We were all in the theater talking, uh, visiting. Uh, Pre-show music was playing, and Stan explains that the music was carefully selected to provide just the right atmosphere. And then the house lights dimmed, and we stopped talking, and there on the stage appeared some fire. That's about all we could see, maybe two hands, probably gloved hands with the fire in them, and boom, that fire turned into doves, and the spotlight came on, and Joseph Gabriel began his marvelous dove act. The master of ceremonies didn't even come out until after his act because the master of ceremonies has to make announcements and introduce himself and then introduce the act. And Stan Allen thought, and I wholeheartedly agree, that it's better to start a magic show with some magic than with some announcements. When I was a teenage magician, I would typically open my stage show with the music Procession of the Sardar, a wonderful classical piece, 
and I would come out with my cape and top hat, and I would uh, gesture magically, and a, a brass bowl, copper actually, a copper bowl filled with flames would suddenly appear in my hands, my beautiful assistant, or sometimes my handsome assistant, depending on the show, whoever was helping me would step in. I usually came in from stage right. They would come in from stage left. They were holding a copper tray. I put the bowl down on the tray, flames still coming out of the bowl, and I reached my hand in and pulled out paper streamers that cascaded out for, oh, more than a minute, just paper streamers coming out of the fire. How did I do all that? Well, it's called a UF Grant Superjet Fire Bowl. The streamers were made from New Year's streamers that I glued together from a party shop. And other than that, misdirection. That's how it happened. But I thought that was a beautiful way to begin a magic show. At some point, I stopped using the fire bowl. And I can remember I would start, the curtains would open. I would come out with a torch. There would be a flash of fire, and then the torch would quickly change into a cane, which I would spin and toss to my assistant, and then continue. Fire always intrigues audiences, whether grown-ups or kids, but when working with kids, you don't want to encourage the use of fire, playing with fire. When working with grown-ups, uh, most of the theaters these days won't actually let you use fire. It was funny. Back Back in the day, and I'm talking the 1960s, I can remember the stage manager came up to me one time as we were preparing for a show, and he said, you can't use fire because of the curtains. And I said, oh, there's no problem. We have this magic fire that doesn't actually burn things. And I took this uh, gold little bottle, and I squirted it on my pants leg, and then lit my pants leg, and flames come up, and I just brushed them off. And then I put some in my hand, and let the flames come into my hand, and then just closed my hand. I said, see, the, the fire doesn't really burn. And uh, he was satisfied. <laughs> it was lighter fluid, but we had painted the lighter fluid can so that you couldn't tell it was lighter fluid. And we knew that the flame is not burning the liquid, it's burning the gases that come up from the liquid. And so you can hold lighter fluid in your hand and light it, and for a few seconds, you don't feel anything. And for a few more seconds, you just feel heat. It takes a while before it gets down to absolutely destroying you. And, of course, we never let it go that far. In the San Antonio Magic Shootout, I used two torches. And in this case, the curtain opened. I'm standing there with my arms crossed with a lit torch in each hand, wearing cape and top hat. And suddenly, those two torches disappear. I take off my cape, swirl it around, and produce my beautiful girl assistant. A trick that I learned from a magic book, which is where I learned so many of my early tricks. And if I was doing a library show or smaller shows in school classrooms or places where all of this ta-da wasn't really appropriate, I might start by holding up a magic book and saying that there's some really hot tricks in here, open it up, and it's what magicians call a hot book. Flames pour out of it. And I love the hot book. I used it for all kinds of stuff. But again, there's so many places now where you're not even allowed to use fire, and I don't want to encourage kids to play with fire. So I'm not currently using fire in my show opening.
My standard show opening these days is fairly simple. Someone introduces me, Magical Mystery Tour starts playing, I come swirling out in cape and top hat with a cane, I pose with the cane, then change the cane and top hat into a table, and out of the top hat produce a six-foot silk scarf with a cartoon rabbit coming out of a hat. Again, for you magicians, yes, it's a genuine rice silk. Uh, when I was a kid, I couldn't afford to buy them because they cost $15. The latest price I saw for one was, I think, $400. Uh, yes, the prices do go up. But it's a beautiful, quick opening, and that means that within less than 60 seconds, I have shown people that I look like a magician, that I'm doing the old-fashioned style of magic, and that I've done something amazing and magical. The problem is that occasionally pulling that big scarf out of the top hat causes the whole thing to fall over, which is not very elegant. And I wound up calling a rehearsal, and I think I had one, two, three, probably four different people with different skill sets all with me. And that first 60 seconds of my show, we rehearsed for several hours until we got it to where it was quick, smooth, and works just right. Practice, practice, practice. It's one of the rules for being a magician, and good rehearsals make for better shows. In 2019, I wanted to celebrate the fact that I have been a magician for 70 years, and that means next year will be my 75th year as a magician. Then I was celebrating 70 years, and I did that with three shows at the Scottish Rite Theater in Austin, for the big evening show, I wanted it to be exciting, I wanted it to be big, but I didn't want the Master of Ceremonies to come out and start making announcements and say, how's everybody doing? And so I had a costumed rabbit playing with the kids in the audience, jumping around in the audience and waving to them and high-fiving them and blowing kisses to them. And it was really lots and lots of fun. And then... The house lights went down, the spotlight came on, and a deep announcer voice said, And now, ladies and gentlemen, the fantastic Kent Cummins. And it was much deeper and better than that because my friend Chris Walden, who has a wonderful stage voice, is the one who was doing it. And the rabbit came up onto the stage as the curtains opened, and there's the giant book of magic. And the rabbit peeked inside the book, but there, it was empty. There was nobody in there. And other assistants came out. We opened them up. More assistants turned the book around. And eventually out I came. I say eventually in less than 60 seconds, I suppose. So we did have pre-show warm-up. We also had a good, magical, amazing start to the show. To me, I think beginnings are really important. When I was doing a lot of strolling magic at Gaddy Town, a pizza restaurant chain, and other restaurants and corporate events, I would uh, need a start that got people's immediate interest and attention, let them know I was a magician, and if I was in a restaurant or someplace where people might not want to be bothered, it had to be quick and smooth enough that they could say, oh, not now, we're busy doing something else. And so I had a number of just quick bits that would let them know, hey, I'm a magician. If you'd like to see some magic, here we go. So it doesn't matter what kind of entertaining you're doing. 
the beginning matters. And it matters in writing. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Doesn't that beginning make you want to read the story? Or, as cartoon character Snoopy so famous started his writings, it was a dark and stormy night. Suddenly a shot rang out and he already had our attention. And how many of our classic fairy tales began with once upon a time? Well, this is beginning to be a little longer than I had intended. And so in order for us to live happily ever after, I'm going to bring this particular episode to a close. We have something interesting to talk about next week. Join us on Tales from the Fantastic Magic Center. I'm Kent Cummins. Join us next time for more tales from the Fantastic Magic Center. And if you'd like even more information, well, join us on our website, fantasticmagiccenter.com. Kent cannot preserve the secret legacy of magic without your support. Start today by going to fantasticmagiccenter.com and clicking the red Join Our Patreon button.